Separation, innovation, explosion. Those three words summarise a fantastically powerful trend that started with personal computing and is spreading to technology fields as diverse as automotive, robotics and telecommunications. My name is Matt Hatton. This is The Wireless Noodle, your weekly guide to the impact of disruptive new technologies on business. Back in June at Transformer Insights, we published a report called Separation Innovation Explosion, how splitting software from hardware is the ultimate tipping point for technology. The report brought together a lot of thinking about the technology evolution across a wide range of different verticals from manufacturing to consumer electronics. The underlying hypothesis is this. To see true innovation in any given technology sector requires the separation of the hardware layer from software and control. This innovation then translates into an explosion of adoption of products and services. In today's podcast, I want to delve into that a little, including diving into one sector which is particularly close to my heart, telecommunications. The most prominent example of a sector or product line which has successfully moved from separation to innovation to explosion is personal computing, where the hardware and software production was split in the 1980s. It took the separation for real innovation from the likes of Microsoft and indeed the hardware manufacturers like Dell and Compaq. The result was an explosion of adoption making the PC ubiquitous today. It created a platform upon which a healthy slug of the world's economy is now based. I wouldn't be sitting here recording this podcast, and you wouldn't be sitting there listening to it, if it hadn't been for that change. When I talk about separation, it includes a bit of diversity. First off, it includes what's termed ITOT convergence, whereby back-end operational technology, OT, systems, that are used for monitoring industrial equipment or buildings, are integrated with an organization's wider IT systems to allow for more flexibility of control and data gathering. While this is characterized as convergence, the reality is that it's a subsuming of OT systems within IT. Another example involves the addition of software components to what are essentially dumb devices. In many IoT applications, the edge device is relatively simple and the separation is more about the application of more complex software to managing basic devices. The result of the separation of the two elements has been a higher degree of innovation in both. The fundamental underlying issue is that it's easier to innovate in one area than in more than one. What are the chances that the most innovative company in making the hardware will also be able to match that in software? Separate the two and it allows best-in-class from both. There is a scale issue too. Separation allows for the emergence of a larger scale software development environment running across multiple hardware vendors. This simplifies the developer's job and allows for competition to more readily establish winners and losers in both hardware and software categories. What's required for most of IoT to take off, for instance, is for companies making hardware to have access to common large scale software options. 
Increasingly, we're seeing this from the likes of Amazon Web Services with FreeRTOS and Microsoft with IoT Plug and Play. Most areas of IoT started from a position of separation, and to date, the software element has lacked the scale necessary to take off. Across all technology markets, from industrial machinery to consumer electronics, we expect the long-term trend is for greater technological innovation where there is a separation of the capabilities. We can see it to a varying degree within almost every sector. In industrial robots, for instance, we see a separation of the manufacturers of hardware, for instance from companies like ABB and KUKA, from software, from the likes of MTech or Bright Machines. In energy, the increasing complexity of managing the relationships between electricity generation, storage and consumption has necessitated the arrival of virtual power plants, a software overlay to manage data, energy and financial flows. That's a fascinating topic in its own right and one that I'm sure we'll come back to in future podcasts. In the automotive sector, we're also starting to see this separation with car makers giving up some small control over the entertainment systems to third parties. The pace at which different sectors are likely to see the separation of software and hardware layers varies dramatically. The personal computing sector has benefited for decades. Others such as robotics and drones are just starting to realise the benefits. In some verticals, including energy and automotive, there are key triggers that are stimulating this change and promise radical transformation there. In others, such as TVs, there's little to indicate there'll be any rapid progress. The separation of the two elements is not without its challenges, of course. Integrated solutions involving both the software and the hardware coming from the same vendor tend to have intrinsically stronger security, for instance. One of the biggest challenges with IT-OT convergence is the opening up of additional security threat vectors for critical industrial systems. Converged systems are also quicker to deploy, rather than waiting for a group of different vendors to get their collective act together. Thirdly, it's also generally easier in a converged system to guarantee user experience, because a single vendor controls both the hardware and the software. Apple is a perfect example of this. One of the counterintuitive elements of this narrative, that tight integration of hardware and software is bad for innovation, is that Apple should not be seen as an innovator. It's seemingly one of the most innovative technology companies. However, this is to confuse innovation with user experience. Controlling both hardware and software creates an environment where the UX can be very tightly controlled. But this doesn't optimize for innovation at least not in the long term. The other two great benefits of managing both hardware and software in an integrated way are security and time to market. It's harder to catalyse the ecosystem to work effectively to pump out products, and it's equally difficult to ensure the security of all the elements. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. But over the long term, the ecosystem emerges and tackles those security challenges and user experience issues. All of this means that the short-term advantages of tightly integrated software and hardware 
are gradually eroded and the scale and innovation benefits of separate systems come to the fore. The other prime example of an integrated player is Tesla. Currently, it's riding that wave of benefiting from integration with faster time to market and better user experience. It may be ahead of the game now, but we doubt that it can continue to be market leading in both hardware and software. Currently, the Tesla platform is limited to a handful of devices. Liberated from its hardware platform, and frankly, limited hardware volumes, and handed to innovative hardware developers at automotive OEMs, we would likely see greater innovation. There has long been speculation that as all manufacturers shift to becoming majority electric, that Tesla may want to shift its business model to license its software to other manufacturers rather than making cars itself. The scale this would bring, both for hardware and software manufacturers, would encourage further evolution. I'm a telecoms guy. My master's degree is in telecoms. I've worked in a mobile operator. I've covered telecoms throughout much of my analyst career. Naturally, therefore, the sector that I'm most interested in is that one. And interestingly enough, it's right in the middle of the separation process right now, making it, of course, a fascinating one to watch and a great example to use to illustrate what I'm talking about. Historically, telecom software and hardware were quite deeply integrated. But recently, there have been initiatives to separate those two elements. Things like software-defined networking, SDN, which abstracts the management of the network away from the individual components into a control layer with a centralized SDN controller that manages the whole network. Software-defined WAN, SD-WAN, is an extension into wide area networking, which decouples the management from the data. This allows the data user more flexibility in managing routing, policy, security, and access to cloud-based services. Network function virtualization, NFV, involves shifting core network functions from specific hardware onto virtual machines running on generic hardware. These network node functions can then be combined to create communication services. The final concept is Open RAN, which needs a little bit of picking apart because of the overlapping terminology. The concept of Open RAN, radio access network, generically is all about disaggregating hardware and software in the RAN for 2G, 3G, 4G and 5G networks. This is slightly more complex than NFV because RAN hardware is more technology specific. There's also a working group in the Telecom Infra project called Open RAN, which aims to develop an architecture based on general purpose hardware managed with separate software. Finally, you have something called ORAN. This is the Open RAN Alliance, which is aimed at developing open, virtualized, and interoperable RAN equipment. All of these initiatives push in the same direction, the ITization of telecoms network infrastructure with the old operational technology, OT environment, of an integrated telecoms hardware and software moving into an IT world where those two elements are separated. 
This should bring a much higher degree of flexibility in developing new networking functionality and potentially upsets the old order in terms of neatly defined roles of telecoms network operators, telecommunications equipment vendors, communications service providers and application providers. New entrants will be able to develop innovative new software-based telecom services completely independent of the need to operate the infrastructure upon which the service runs. As a result of these developments, the established roles in telecoms will change. The position of the traditional technology vendors, such as Ericsson, Huawei and Nokia, might change into a market for undifferentiated hardware, supported by a much more competitive market for telecom software. The lower barriers to entry and greater flexibility to design new services might create much greater competition and innovation at the software level. In June 2020, Nokia was the first of the major vendors to make a move into Open RAN when it announced that its virtualized RAN portfolio would be compatible with ORAN, making it deliverable using hardware from other vendors. The question is, of course, who will benefit from this seismic shift? The network operators are hopeful. They've been active in initiatives such as the Telecom Info Project. It's almost inevitable that a successful separation of network hardware from software will result in lower prices for both elements. As a result, telcos see a bright future where they can cut costs and potentially differentiate the services through software. They expect to be more of a driving force in telecom software development than they might have been in the last decade. Vodafone, for instance, is bringing back in-house the software development expertise that it outsourced 10 to 15 years ago. Meanwhile, India's Reliance Geo in June 2020 requested permission from Indian authorities to lab test its own 5G technology. Japan's Rakuten Mobile has also been actively driving new capabilities. In other news, NTT took a 5% stake in telecommunications equipment manufacturer NEC, specifically justified by a desire to develop more innovative 5G capabilities. Telecommunications network operators and mobile operators specifically are taking much more of an active interest in the software development environment relating to telecoms networks. They see an opportunity to differentiate here that they haven't had for a decade. It's hard to escape the conclusion, however, that hyperscale companies like AWS, Facebook, Google and Microsoft will see an opportunity here to establish their own innovative software-based capabilities. This may involve a full software stack, but more likely niche areas built on capabilities from other vendors. This might in part be aimed at providing a set of services to communications service providers, but really that's a minor consideration. Most of the focus will be on developing functionality to support their core customers and value proposition. If you're interested in this topic of telecoms networks, we've published a report called The Move to Network New Normal, how 5G, edge computing and network disaggregation are creating radical disruption that looks at it and other related telecom subjects. I have no doubt that the topic of 5G will come up in future podcasts. One thing is certain in the technology world. 
being overwhelming market leader is a transient thing. Just ask IBM or Nokia. Neither Apple nor Tesla can guarantee their positions as respectively the world's most valuable company and the world's most valuable car manufacturer. The long-term technological trend is surely towards more separation of hardware and software and the innovation it brings. Superior user experience, security and time to market are ephemeral differentiators. Failing to ride that change could be the thing that ultimately brings them down. In next week's podcast, I will share the findings of some research we've done at Transformer Insights. Based on analysing hundreds of real-world examples of deployments of transformational technologies like AI, IoT, distributed ledger and so forth, we can identify some really interesting key trends and best practice in things like project prioritisation, vendor selection and more. I hope you can join me again. Links to some of the research that I've been referring to in this week's show, as well as the transcript of the recording, will be available on the podcast website at wirelessnoodle.com. Thank you for joining me. I've been Matt Hatton, and you've been listening to The Wireless Noodle. Thank you for listening to The Wireless Noodle. If you'd like to learn more about the research that I do on IoT, AI, and more, you can follow me on Twitter at Matty Hatton, and you can check out transformerinsights.com that's transformer with an A.